Hello folks, uh, good evening. It's um, January 22nd, 2019, and this is my first podcast episode. Um, so I'm going to call this the human nervous system, and um, something I've been waiting to do for a long time. Uh, no, I don't have anybody to interview or anything fancy like that, so this is totally homegrown my own thoughts. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, my name is Berta Grant and, um, I have a business called Flux, Flux Therapy, F-L-U-X. I do counseling, body work. Um, I work with specifically trauma, childhood trauma, and adults with childhood trauma issues. Um, and a variety of other issues too, but that's my central focus. And, um, I try to work on the entire nervous system with people. So I have a variety of modalities such as EMDR, body work, energy work, and talk therapy. So that's my background. Um, 15 years massage therapist, seven years as a counselor. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me, um, And then the next thing is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was I've been listening to a lot of podcasts the last year or so, um, especially on psychology, uh, the human body, neuroscience, consciousness, spirituality, and some about shamanism, um, some things about even um, some environmental issues and nature because I'm very much an outdoors person. So I get a lot of my information from like just a variety of places and uh, it seems to culminate into um, me wanting to come up with some ideas that I want to share. <laughs> so um, yeah, so this is called the Human Nervous System Podcast and I wanted to begin just uh, saying that our entire society is now developing seemingly into a super organism and uh, this basically means that we're our nervous systems are merging with our technology it seems like and uh, there's a constant feedback system with social media every time you check it ooh, and get a dopamine hit so there's some neurotransmitter response to technology which wow and then the technology has a response to the software and how it's going to and the algorithm changes according to <clears throat> our interaction with it. So, super weird um, that there's a response on our end and also on the technology's end. So, to me, <laughs> that seems like that there's definitely an interface occurring with humans and technology that's very dynamic and fluid and almost like uh, it's a part of us. And... If you think about it, it's almost an extension of our nervous system because there's also a fluid dynamic between all parts of our nervous systems, such as um, the brain, (laughs) the brain and the body, that there's an interaction with the brain all the time, just like with our phones. Our phones may be an extension of our brain. I don't know. Um, The brain and all its wonders. So some interesting things about the human nervous system divided up into the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. And the brain is part of the central nervous system. And the spine, I think, is in there too. Um, 
So the brain is in some camps of thought that it's being seen more as an antenna than anything, like it's a receiver of information. And so there's been a lot of interesting uh, research with the brain and functional MRIs, which have basically changed our perception of how we even look at the brain. And, um, and the interesting things about the brain in particular, um, especially when it comes to trauma and how the brain responds to stress and trauma and how certain parts of the brain turn on and turn off and um, process trauma and don't process trauma. <coughs> Apparently we have three layers to our brain, the reptilian brain, the mammalian brain, and then the human prefrontal cortex, which is the part of us that distinguishes us from other creatures. Um, and trauma gets trapped in the lower parts of the brain. The trauma loop is what they call it. Um, and it, the purpose of a traumatic stress response that just loops continually without becoming processed is to is survival. So, um, yeah, <laughs> maybe you can Google some of that traumatic response and the effects on the brain. Uh, I don't want to go too much into that, but um, basically, I'll just say that our our senses respond to it. Our experience responds to a really scary situation with fight or flight. Those are two options, or freeze, third option. So it's very binary, fight or flight or freeze. <clears throat> and having such quick reaction, there's not a lot of time to think about it. So that's big, that's for survival purposes. Well, sometimes the survival, the brain will react to something that's not really survival, but we need someone to help, help us walk through it and be like, okay, that's not a survival situation, but this happened to you in the past. So let's reroute this, create meaning around it, and then it gets integrated in the rest of the brain um, rather than just being like this quick response. So um, by doing that, you address the limbic system and the amygdala, which is an organ in the brain that tags memories, whether they're survival-based or not. Um, so anyway, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty complicated um that's a simplified version of a complicated situation. So the brain is a super powerful organ and it helps us negotiate our experiences in life. Uh, the next thing about the brain that's really interesting is there's different waves that are tracked depending on the brain's um, mindset. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> depending on um, how the brain there's theta waves, alpha waves, beta waves, and all of these different waves are also tracked in meditation. Meditators have um, been used in experiments to track, okay, can when you meditate at this certain mode in your mind, like basic thinking is beta, but you can meditate to more calming waves which I can't remember exactly what all those are, like theta and delta, um, and change the brain waves. And that also changes the, the route of thinking and route of thought that's going through the mind and what mind state that that person is in. So super interesting um, that meditation can do that. Um, another interesting 
factor in the brain is neurotransmitters and the role that they play in um, regulating different responses. Serotonin is used in mood, appetite, and uh, sleep. Serotonin is good for that. Dopamine is for the is the pleasure pain. Um, endorphins are uh, and dopamine are similar or the same. Uh, adrenaline is another one. So there's a lot of different neurotransmitters. Um, I'm thinking that dopamine, endorphins, and adrenaline are kind of the same word for the same thing. It's just different. I haven't pieced that out yet. So. <laughs> but dopamine and serotonin are definitely neurotransmitters. Dopamine is definitely involved in pleasure, pain, serotonin, mood, appetite, and sleep. And um, and when you have anxiety and depression, some of these can be very off. And um, so... And so the next part of the nervous system is the gut and the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve and the polyvagal system, which even goes down the spine. So the vagus nerve is a massive nerve that goes from the brain. It's the largest nerve in the body down to the gut. And this is a very sensitive, sensitive nerve and it's connected to all the viscera in the body in different places. And so your visceral, viscera is in the gut. There's viscera around the heart. There's viscera around the cavities of the body. And um, <clears throat> when you think about viscera in the lungs, when you think about that viscera, it's the lining of um, certain cavities and the lining of certain organs. And that viscera is super sensitive to body responses. And the reason why it's so sensitive is because it's so connected to that vagus nerve, which is directly connected to the brain. So and connected to our involuntary responses of the the reptilian part of the brain which are very primitive parts of our body and parts of our nervous system and it's interesting that so much f emphasis is put on the brain but not enough on the gut and on the body uh i feel like when it comes to helping to dealing with trauma and treating trauma. I think this is increasing more though in our society. Like there's definitely more awareness that the body is working on the body and the viscera and the breath he influences um where the brain goes. So there are more neurons coming from the body to the brain than the brain to the body. And when I mean body, I mean the gut and the vagus nerve the polyvagal system so those are very interesting so if there's more neurons coming from the body to the brain then shouldn't we treat our mental health through the body um okay <laughs> and that is happening as we speak i think and um, integrative healthcare is starting to be more aware of those things so uh the next thing I wanted to talk about was the heart and the heart puts out waves too it puts out it has electrical magnetic electromagnetic activity that is detected a certain amount of feet outside the body which is super interesting so if 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 people's hearts resonate together you know I don't want to sound too woo woo <laughs> there is some science around there out um, about that um, then they can be attuned to each other. Meaning, in a therapeutic relationship, 
between practitioners, that's like what you want. You want that attunement. So that's the heart, and there's probably more about the heart, but I won't get into that. Skin is another, and touch are um, the last part of the nervous system I'm going to talk about. Uh, because our skin is like the first, it's the first line of defense that we have with the outside world and touch. And touch is also one of the first senses in babies. And babies that don't receive touch deteriorate in their health and their, and their, um, thriving. Touch helps with attachment and an oxytocin and gives an oxytocin response in the body. Um, when a mother has a fresh new baby, the infant, they're encouraged to have skin-to-skin contact with each other. And that builds the baby's um, nervous system itself and helps to calm the baby. And it just creates like this, it just helps grounding. It helps create attachment with mother and child. Um, There's so much on touch and babies and skin. Um, Yeah, it's it's just amazing that we live in a society where touch is still, it's still not used much. Um, I swear that using touch as a modality for healing is so powerful when it's done right. And I have seen people's sympathetic like their nervous systems completely jacked up and then they get regular massage and or body work and they're completely relaxed and it doesn't last forever but it can work over time receiving this can really help people's cortisol levels go down help their fight or flight system their hyper arousal chill out and not be at such a high anxious place um, it's very calming, very grounding. Um, so I think that that's some of the deepest work that can be done for people is just doing touch therapies of any sort. Um, so yeah. And so, uh, one of my passions for working with this, doing this podcast or this, these topics is that, um, I'm learning a lot about neuroscience and I'm learning about the human nervous system in my job and I learn more from my clients than anything. Uh, I try to approach my work in a way like like a compassionate experiment. <laughs> when I listen to someone, I take in information. I'm always asking questions and trying things with people and in a way that is, I never really have the answers. I don't have the answers. The other person has the answers for their healing path. And every day is different. Every moment is different. Um, every person is different. And there, there's similarities across the board with people, but everyone is different. And the one thing that I do find that is similar is people's, um, their life, their age, like where they're at in their life stage and age. Stage and age is super important because that is, um, says a lot about where that person is at biologically, where they are in their relationships, where they are in their goals and what they're doing with their life. Um, someone who's 21 
they've probably graduated high school three years ago. And so they're about to launch and become an adult. They're a young adult, 18 to 21. Big major time in their life. They're looking back a little bit at their parents. And some of them might be at their childhood. But they're also trying to look forward and what the heck are they going to do with their life. And some of them are not looking forward. Some of them are just living in the moment. But it, there's still a lot of anxiety around that time period. Um, and it's also super exciting because they have a whole life ahead of them. And um, if they had childhood trauma they're leaving behind, then that's super hard to overcome and to fully get into adulthood because they still have some unfinished business. So um, children, children at different ages, depending on where they're at, are not capable of processing some of the traumatic things that they have experienced. And they're fully depending on the adults to do that for them or with them. And they don't really, you know, like a five-year-old barely has a capacity to process without a stable adult around to help them emotionally to ground if something happens to them. An eight or nine-year-old, maybe, starting to get a little older, um, their mind is growing, they're, they're getting more into the conceptual awareness of life but right before puberty there's not much going on as far as that so and once puberty hits in adolescence then there's a huge growth and leap in development so just it's just really interesting just across the human lifespan um being aware of where that person is in their life and the state of their is going to determine the state of their nervous system at times um and so and the reason why I like to see myself as treating the human nervous system is because it's a system. We are systems. Um, human beings are systems. There's the self in the middle, and then there's two people. That's another system. And then you can even think about, so their nervous systems are connected. And then you could think about a family, and their nervous systems are connected. If one person of the family is having issues, the rest will also be affected. The family, then there's the extended family. And then there's maybe the neighborhood, a group of friends. And then there's maybe the community. So if you, let's say you have one kid in the classroom who's got serious issues, the rest of the classroom is going to be affected big time. That classroom is a system a coalescing, is a um, collection of individual nervous systems and the teacher is the head of that nervous system and whatever's going on with the teacher is going to affect the class and so we're all connected we all affect each other and super interesting to think about it I think in that way because we're in this I listened to a podcast today that talked about we are now in um, the age of connection like it's all about who you're connected to almost more than anything as far as like how where people are going to go in life and um so relationships are super important who we are as a person is super important are we compassionate are we judgmental do we attack people if they don't agree with us liberal or conservative um what kind of a person are we so and what kind of a society do we want to become and yeah, 
So these are really interesting thoughts um, that I have, and uh, yay. So I wasn't very funny on this one, but maybe it will be in the future ones. I don't know. <laughs> so um, this is my first podcast, and um, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I hope to have more of them coming forward in the future. Okay.